This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 179, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, June 25th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 179. It's our comic reviews episode for the releases from Wednesday, June 25th. I am your host, Adam Chapman. This is our weekly episode where we look at the uh, comics that came out the previous week and give them a bit of a, a bit of a rundown, what was in those issues, what happened. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I give a lot of details, sometimes I don't. And then we talk about uh, what it was like. And then we give it a rating and move on to the next uh, so this is our 179th episode, so we are slowly, inexorably, actually not that slowly, uh, getting closer and closer to episode 200, which I believe should be dropping either the last week of August or the first week of September. It depends if I take any time off in the middle. Uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, it's hard to believe I've been doing the podcast almost two years, which started in August 2012, and uh, it's hard to believe that not only am I coming up on two years, but also coming up on 200 episodes. That's kind of crazy, although... I, it was pointed out to me that I kind of screwed myself that uh, episode 102 had an A and B episode, so technically speaking, this is the 180th episode, but I just kind of split uh, 102 into two parts, into A and B. Uh, it was a Talking Heroclix episode that uh, partly I did on my own, and then I did another episode basically covering a lot of the same type of material with a guest, um, but it came out, uh, I don't know, a couple days later, so it wasn't the following week, so I just put it out as a B episode. Now I kind of regret it. Uh, anyway, so this is our 179th episode. Let's get into it. A lot of comics came out this previous week, and uh, I didn't realize how many of them I'd actually read. Um, so let's start off at the top of the list alphabetically with all-new Ghost Rider number four. Um, I do like this issue. I like this series. I like the... Sometimes the artwork doesn't quite work for me, or sometimes it's not always clear exactly what's going on. That being said, I do like it. Um... The grumpy character who's messed up because of the uh, the weird formula from uh, Mr. Hyde is, is an interesting, cool villain with a tie into a more classic villain. I kind of like how uh, Jekyll and Hyde, or sorry, Zabo and Hyde are being written here. Um, I like how Ghost Rider is kind of starting to merge more with whatever's in his head. I'm not really... The spirit, uh, the Ellie Morrow, or Ellie Morrow, sorry, um, as Robbie Reyes kind of deals with having this new thing in his mind. Uh, now he shaved his head as well. Um, I dug this. It was interesting. Uh, again, the artwork at times is a little unclear as to what's really going on. Um, but I like the bonding between uh, Reyes and uh, this, the... Uh, I was gonna almost, I almost called it the symbiote. And at times it feels that way. Because he, uh, he's merged with this demon, this spirit. But at times it almost feels like he's talking to a symbiote. The way that you could have Venom talking to a symbiote if they ever went that far like usually the symbiote's kind of mindless more or less but uh not mindless but it doesn't have thought bubbles of its own um but here it definitely does i like how they're writing the relationship between uh, robbie and his brother um again there's a lot of elements going on here but i dug this i really i did enjoy it um again the artwork at times is not quite to my taste but it is different and that's you know that's definitely something i mean i like that they're taking chances with the artwork and doing something a little bit different with it and doing something different with the ghost rider concept too um uh, so for all those reasons i'm gonna give it a seven um next up is amazing spider-man number three uh so this is by dan slab with artwork by humberto ramos i miss it being by, uh semi-monthly um uh, i know we're getting the learning to crawl but that's not the same thing i liked having two issues of uh, slots book it just it felt like it was everything was happening faster 
Um, the slow, the story just feels slower now, and it's not actually Slot's fault at all. Like, if you read three issues of Superior and three issues of Amazing, they probably have the same relative speed of progression of the storyline. However, with Superior Spider-Man, you got three issues in about a month and a half. Three, for Amazing Spider-Man, it takes three months to get the same, same place. So, although it's not actually taking its time, it feels super slow and drawn out. But again, it's not actually Dan Slot's fault in terms of the writing, it's just because it's no longer coming out twice a month, and I was used to getting it in a certain um, a certain speed. Um, so I, I the the Silk character is a lot more interesting now that we're seeing Ezekiel mentioned. Um, so that right away makes her much more fascinating as a character, uh, much more interesting. Um, the Felicia Hardy aspects of this issue, were, I just felt that this there was, it's a little slow because we have Felicia Hardy ruminating on how much she wants to make Spider-Man squirm. Uh, Electro is dealing with the fact that he's super messed up after what Doc Ock did to him, or Spider Ock, and now he's letting things uh, kind of burning down buildings, etc. Um, the staff of uh, Parker Industries has no real idea what the hell is going on with Peter Parker because he's a completely different person. He's not a, a person calling people oafs anymore. Now he's casual Fridays, Hawaii shirts, and all this stuff. Um, it's definitely interesting that to see Peter Parker going this route, though, that he wants to kind of create the mechanisms to um, contain villains, I think is actually a really cool uh, way to go, and I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with this. Um, Sejani her kind of not liking what's going on with Peter. Uh, I love Anna Maria um, trying to figure out how she can, you know, figure out what Doc Ock was working on, and then it looks like the living brain might be the clue there. Um, get a whole sequence where Peter Parker switches to Spider-Man and goes and saves, uh, or helps uh, the, uh, what's his name, Ollie, the current boyfriend of Mary Jane, which is kind of an interesting sequence. Um, having uh, Black Cat go up against uh, Spider-Man was kind of cool as well. She's obviously pretty pissed at him for what he did to her. Um, and I also liked here that at one point he's like, I don't know how to fix her, make her realize what's going on. So instead he just pretends to be Doc Ock. And I thought it was a fantastic sequence. So much fun. You could you could feel Peter Parker just hamming it up. And I liked the way it was phrased because really it felt like Doc Ock could be messing with you. Sorry, not Doc Ock. Ugh. Uh, Dan Slott, but like you knew that it, no, it's just Peter messing with her. But I like that just for a moment, you can almost believe maybe, maybe it's not so simple. Maybe Doc Ock is still there. Obviously, he's not, but it was definitely interesting. Um, and at the end of the issue, Black Hat goes in, finds Electro, and see if they can team up. Um, I miss the idea that it felt like before Dan Slott's arcs were really short, there were like two to three issues max. This feels like it's going to... I think when I was reading the solicits for the last episode, I think it's a six-issue arc. It's a little bit of a drag. It just feels like, again, part of the partially... Part of this, sorry, is that it feels like we're... It's going to take six months to tell a story as opposed to, again, it's not Dan Slott's fault that they've changed the frequency of the of the series. But that is impacting how I read it and how I'm able to enjoy it because it feels like the plot lines are lasting that much longer. That's one thing you don't really think about is that for some of these books, that's why when Brand New Day happened and this was, Spider-Man was coming out, what, three times a month? Uh, you're able to forgive it a lot because you're like, well, not a lot happened in this issue, but I'm going to get an issue next month or sorry, next week. And it just felt like there was always so much going on. But once it slows back down to a regular monthly, it just it feels like it's taking out the momentum. Uh, I don't think this was the strongest issue thus far of the reboot. I'm going to give it a 7. I think it definitely could have been better. Um, and I feel like it was a little bit more substantial. The whole sequence with Ollie didn't need to be as long. 
Uh, next up is Aquaman 32. Um, so this is by Jeff Parker and Paul Pelletier. Um, r really fun. Um, good the idea of the uh, the Killer King. We have the uh, with the Triton base dealing with um, this new this basically this creature they've created, which is potentially like really awesome and really creepy design. Like I really like the design by Pelletier. Uh, wondering what they're going to do with this character. Um, having Mira going up against these dissidents uh, was really cool as well. I love Mira. She's just such a badass character. Um, I am interested to see how Aquaman's going to go up against the Chimera next issue. I really dug this. This was fantastic. Uh, it remains a great book. Uh, Jeff Parker has just such a great sensibility for Aquaman. Uh, he's doing a great job with writing Mira as well. I'm a big fan of Pelletier and art. This is just an immensely entertaining read. Uh, next up is Avengers Undercover. This is issue number, what, six? Although, now that we know that there's only going to be ten issues, I don't know, it kind of ruins the momentum of this book, because, I don't know, it just feels like it's taking a while to get to the point, and now that we know it's ending so quick, I just don't know if this book got enough space to kind of develop its storyline properly. Uh, it's written by Dennis Hopeless with artwork by Timothy Green II. Uh, so here we have Deathlock kind of embracing, kind of being part of this villainous squad, whereas Chase is trying to kind of stop her and have her realize that they're actually trying to still be heroes. Um, this pile driver wannabe is kind of uh, um, getting in the way. Uh, Captain America gets in the sights and <laughs> Deathlock almost takes him out. Um, the pile driver kid and Chase have a, a really crazy start to a throwdown. And then it looks like Deathlock might have done something pretty bad to Chase. Um, I really dug this. It was interesting. Um, I liked how Deathlock is being portrayed. Um, her really not understanding what the plan was for the older kids and kind of succumbing to it without realizing that they all still want to be heroes, or at least most of them do. Uh, next up is Batman 32. This is the second last zero-year uh, uh, story. It's by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. This is actually probably one of my favorite issues. Um of the zero-year arc i think it was just really interesting uh the the artwork all taking place in the in the sunlight is an interesting take for a batman story i like the batman art i like how you feel like they're finally getting somewhere and then it gets turned on its head completely uh, i liked at the end where batman and riddler are just confronting each other face to face i'm interested to see what the what uh the last game is the last gambit is that uh, riddler has on, under his uh, up his sleeve I really actually did enjoy this. Um, here's the thing that I feel about Zerior. I think I didn't really enjoy it that much overall. I just think it was uneven. But I do think that once I read it all, once I, it's all collected or once it's all over and I go back and I read it from start to finish, I think it's actually going to be really entertaining. Um, especially the last arc, I think, was kind of it was interesting and different. It felt like we weren't just kind of doing a new spin on old things. We were definitely going in a whole new direction. So... I'm really kind of excited to have it all be over and then go back and read it all because I think it will feel much different than it was previously. I think it's going to be a lot more enjoyable to read as well. So I'm in, in, I'm excited for that to finally happen. Uh, next up is Batman Eternal number 12. Let's see. This issue uh, written by the group Scott Snyder and James Tinney IV. James Tinney IV on script. Um, sorry, they were on story. Uh, consulting writers are Ray Fox, John Lehman, and Tim excuse me, Tim Seeley, artwork by Mikkel Yanin, who I really like his, uh, his his artwork when he's doing the book, although I'm not a huge fan of this cover. Um, 
It looks like a Guillaume Merch cover. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's Guillaume Merch. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the way he draws Batman. There's certain lines I just don't really like. And his knee looks like it has like a weird like bat, weird metal back guard of some kind or knee guard. It's just a weird take. Um, I really enjoyed this. I love the um, Lieutenant Barr getting uh, Maggie Sawyer and, and uh, Harvey Bullock together. I thought that it was really cool. I like that Batman kind of uh, breaks in and is one of the uh, guards uh, bringing Gordon to his trial. Um, I like the Harper Row kind of trying to hack into Red Robin's systems. I thought that was really cool. Um, seeing more development of Red Hood and Batgirl was cool as well. Uh, I like seeing the trial of Jim Gordon, so we're finally back on the whole Jim Gordon thing. Um, the development between um, uh, Alfred and his daughter, I'm still not really feeling it, but, you know, I'm sure it'll go somewhere eventually. I loved having... Um, uh, Bard, Batman, and uh, and Bullock on the on the on the tower at the, uh, at the Beacon Tower. I thought it was really cool. So yeah, this is a great series. Anyway, uh, let's see where was I? Sorry, in case you didn't know, I paused the podcast, and now <laughs> I'm totally you know uh, breaking that that uh, suspension of disbelief that it's all done at once. No, I did take a pause because there was a phone ringing in the background. Anyways, I don't know where I was. I really like the, uh, the end issue here where uh, Gordon finally finds out that his son is actually still alive. About time. Um, I'm really kind of glad that they're finally revealing that. Um, this was a, a pretty good issue. I thought there was a lot of good beats. Um, we finally got to, to see more development of the uh, Gordon uh, aspect. Uh, I'm going to give it a 9, and I'm really digging how they're writing Bard. This new, ver- new 52 version of Bard is kind of freaking awesome. This is kind of his book in some ways. Well, the issue she's in. Um, next up is Fantastic Four number six. Uh, this uh, continues Robinson's uh, current run on Fantastic Four. Uh, in this issue, the artwork is done by Leonard Kirk again. Um, so we're kind of dealing with... Now, it's kind of a weird issue because part of the issue is the FF going back to their house and finding out that the Avengers are kind of saying you can't go in because of what's happened um, and because they basically want to be able to take all your inventions out and anything dangerous, which, I mean, I feel like we've kind of done this before, but whatever. Uh, and then seeing the, the parts with Jim Hammond at the Camp Hammond with um, uh, Alex Power and the Future Foundation was really interesting as well. Uh, so that I really liked and the idea of what's going to happen to Dragon Man. Then, however, we flip two years, sorry, two days later, where uh, Ben Grimm is now so angry at Johnny Storm because of this this thing from the original Sin time, which is, it, it feels very ham-fisted in the way it's kind of inserted, like it feels very inorganic. Uh, that being said, I'm kind of, I love the art in the next few pages where we see whatever this original Sin is. Uh, I'm not really sure what this is supposed to be yet, but I like it. Um, and actually, the original Sin flashback stuff is by Dean Haspiel and Nolan Woodard, which I really enjoyed. Um... So, it's, yeah, I, I still like it. I'm going to give it a 7. Yeah, I think a 7. But it's it's a weird issue because the original Sin part feels very inorganic to the flow of the story. Um, next up is, uh, let's see, The Flash. And this is issue number 32. Um, still not really digging the whole Wally West stuff. Um, so it's written by uh, Vendetti and Jensen and artwork by Brett Booth, who is not my favorite. Uh, the future aspect, we have Leonard Snart being visited in his hospital bed by the future version of Barry Allen, while in the present, you have Barry confronting a few of these uh, villains who 
like uh, who have um, uh, powers or, or tech that they've taken from Lockup or the, this new Merge character. Who I've, I don't think I've ever heard of this character. I th- think he might even be new. Uh, so he was interesting and also going up against this guy with like a gravity gun or the merge guy with the gravity gun um, and then at the end of the issue uh, we have uh, Wally West going to a game, a baseball game with uh, Barry Allen and they're talking about baseball and then they seem to bond a little, I like that they're bonding It just he doesn't feel like Wally I don't care what he looks like, that's really not that important to me, what matters is that he doesn't feel like Wally West um, and it's not, I guess, the, at the end of the day, everyone wanted them to bring in Wally West, but at the end, the longer it took them to bring him in, the more I realized I didn't want him in. Because if you bring in Wally West, he's not going to be the Wally West everyone wants. Everyone wants the Wally West who is the Flash, who has Linda, who has the kids, and that's that was never what this was going to be. And it's really disappointing uh, for fans of the character that we're never going to get that version of Wally West back unless they go back to the uh, pre-Flashpoint era. But he just doesn't exist anymore. And it, it is sad. I mean, people grew up reading that version of The Flash, growing up with him as he went through his own changes, how he then ended up meeting Linda and eventually having a family and that all that stuff. I mean, it, it's, it just doesn't exist anymore. And it probably won't. And... And this this new Wally, I have nothing against, you know, the way... I don't care if they want to make him, you know, uh, not the blonde, uh, whatever, red-haired guy, Midwestern guy that he was before. That's not really important to me. What matters to me is that he doesn't feel like the character he should be, or that he was. Anyways, um, and the artwork by Brett really frustrating me. So, it's just, he, I just don't like his style, uh, the way he makes his faces, his facial expressions. So, I'm going to give this issue a six. Uh, next up is Gardens of the Galaxy, number 16. Uh, this issue remains a little uneven, but better than maybe I expected at first. So I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, the creative team is Brian Michael Bendis, and uh, he obviously wrote it. And the artwork is by none other than... Who does the art? Uh, Nick Bradshaw, David Marquez, and J- Jason Masters are on Pencils and Inks. Um... I guess I like them. I, why can't we just have a team? Like, why do we always have to break things apart and then just have all these weird solo adventures? I don't find them as interesting solo-wise. Uh, I like them being together. Um, so you have Star-Lord being saved by Captain Marvel. You have Venom escaping from the Skrulls. Uh, you have uh, Drax being uh, confronted by uh, Gladiator and accused of crimes. And then he's trying to confront the Gladiator and issue a combat challenge. Uh, Gamora gets her ass get saved by, from the, I guess, the Badoon Masters by uh, Angela. Um it, and also you have a, a nice confrontation between Star-Lord and his father, which, to be honest, just feels like it just keeps going on. Like, it doesn't really reach a good crescendo. It just it just keeps going. Um, overall, as I said, I'm going to give this issue about a six. There were some really standout moments, but overall I thought it was a bit of big week, bit weak on the whole. Uh, next up is Justice League 31. Uh, this is by Jeff Johns with our work by Doug Monkey. Um... So we have this new power ring kind of confronting the ring and not wanting to be to come on with it. Uh, a fantastic tete-a-tete between Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne, um, which is really awesome. There's just some great action here as well. Um, the whole sequence between Batman or Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor was just uh, stellar. Um, the segment between 
uh, Cyborg and Shazam was actually a lot of fun, uh, especially because uh, Shazam created a, a ping pong table, which I thought was actually quite clever and hilarious. Uh, Leonard Snart being a hero now and um, and going to uh, you know Lex's uh, to LexCorp was interesting. Uh, I I'm actually really digging this more than I have in quite some time, um, and I want to see where they go with this further. So I'm gonna give this issue actually uh, I think a nine. Like I, I I dug this. It was actually a lot a lot of fun. It was well written. Uh, the characterization was spot on. Again, the moments between Batman and Lex Luthor were just flat out fantastic. Uh, and Doug Monkey just really nailed it. And even having like Lex Luthor have a gun at Batman and then Alfred comes up with a gun, like just I really dug that. Uh, next up is Miss Marvel number five, which continues to be just such a pleasure of a book to read. Uh, it's written by uh, G. Willow Wilson with Adrian Alfona on art. Um, as here, I don't know how long it's supposed to really uh, take place, but uh, Kamala decides she's going to really train and become the hero that she needs to be so that she can uh, save whatever his name who's currently um, been taken hostage. And she's finally able to do so. However, she may have um, kind of put a target on her back. And now I don't know who this weird weird character is with like the weird bird head but uh i really dug this it was fantastically done um it's just it's a it's a joyful book i'm gonna give it a nine again the art is fantastic the story is fun um it doesn't take itself too seriously um great origin for the character she just feels so real um it's it's just, it's just a well-written book. It's just fun. It's, it's not trying too hard. It's just telling a, a great story with a brand new character. And it happens to have a, a name that is other characters have had before, but it remains really, really good. Uh, then we have New Avengers 20. Uh, this is written by uh, Jonathan Hickman with artwork by Valerio Shiti. As we continue the battle between the Illuminati and the Great Society, uh, we also get to see a little bit more of Doctor Strange trying to sell his soul and finding out more about his soul in the meantime. Um, I just feel like the whole storyline against the uh, Great Society is taking a little long to uh, happen, but I am enjoying it, and seeing the New Avengers kind of get their asses kicked, for the most part, was uh, cool as well. Um, although it looks like uh, Doctor Strange is not one to be trifled with, especially when he does some weird magic to uh, become more powerful than ever. Um, not the strongest issue of New Avengers. Again, the fact that the last six issues, it feels like, have kind of not done much in terms of plot progression doesn't help. It just feels like we were getting so many of these incursions and now we're spending so much time on this one. It's a bit of a letdown. I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10 as a result. Although I do, do like the artwork by Valerio Dishidi or Valerio Shidi. Um, next up is... Oh, you know what? Apparently I totally missed an issue. Apparently uh, a new issue of New Warriors came out and I completely missed it. Um, and I had it on my list as something that I read, but apparently I did not. Apparently I don't even have it, um, so I have to, have to track that down. Um, next up, then, is uh, it would be the New Avengers Annual, but unfortunately I didn't have a chance to read it yet. So we go on to Original Sin, uh, I guess, what, 3.1, which is the Hulk versus uh, Iron Man. Uh, it's written by Mark Wade with artwork, art, sorry, written by Mark Wade and Kieran Gillen. Uh, makes sense because they're the Iron Man and Hulk writers, and it's got a script by Mark Wade and Mark Bagley on pencils. Um, I really dug this. Again, I love Bagley. His art is great. I love the fight between Hulk and um, 
Iron Man. I like that this is a nice... It's basically the next issue of Hulk in a lot of ways because uh, we have the extremists is affecting uh, the Hulk now. Uh, Hulk is now learning more about this original sin that uh, that Tony Stark actually um, was involved in. Um, so there's a lot more going on than we realize. And uh, it looks like the big cliffhanger is that really it's, it's uh, Tony's fault that Bruce Banner became the Hulk. Interesting to see where they go with this. As I said, I really dug this issue. I like that we're kind of digging into the past of the Hulk. I actually like these characters having a, a shared history. I mean, that's one of the bright spots of Heroes Reborn for me is the fact that they were very much linked, that uh, Tony would not have ever become Iron Man without the Hulk. So this is a little bit different, obviously, in that Hulk, they're kind of saying that because of Tony, a Hulk became the Hulk. But um, regardless, I found it fun. Uh, as I said, I love Mark Bakley's artwork. The script by, uh, by Mark Wade is really well written as well. I'm going to give it an 8. It was, it was a pleasant issue, a lot of fun to read. Um, now, I didn't actually read the full issue, so I'm not going to give it a full review. But um, the original Sins book, this is what, issue 2 of 5. Um, Mark Brooks did the cover. Um, now, I read one of the stories, the Black Knight story by Frank Thierry and Raphael Ienko. Um, Frank Thierry just kills the story. Like, it is amazing. Uh, I loved the look, the, the take on Black Knight and what's going on with the Ebony uh, Blade and uh, how he's dealing with uh, all these different emotions as a result of the Blade and it's really twisting him, uh, seeing how it's affected Black Knight in the past. Just fascinating. So well done. And then we have the Young Avenger story, which I just I don't find myself that interested in reading it, so I just I couldn't finish the issue. Um, so that's why I'm not actually giving it a full review because I didn't read the uh the full issue, and I didn't read the Howard the Duck story either. I find Howard the Duck either goes one way or another with me, and I just couldn't find myself that interested in reading it. But uh, the lead story, at least, was extremely well done in Original Sins. Uh, next up is Savage Hulk number one. I, I so enjoyed this. Um, I, I'm really curious what um, Tom Kerr, our, our resident uh, Hulk fan and uh, frequent contributor to the podcast in the past, what he will think of this issue. I'm sure he'll pick it up. Uh, it's written by Alan Davis, artwork by Alan Davis. It's kind of a flashback uh, uh, story that's around, I guess, X-Men 66 as uh, we're dealing with uh, the X-Men, classic X-Men, and they're kind of uh, in their costumes that were, I guess, the ones they had after their original uh, Blue and Golds. Um, and it's just, it's a fun, it's both a Hulk story and an X-Men story and an Xavier story. I actually really dig the artwork here. I thought it was really well done. Um, the, the take on Hulk is really cool. Um, and it looks like we're going to get some abomination, classic abomination versus Hulk battle in the next issue. This was just an absolute treat. It felt like a nostalgic trip. Um, partially because Alan Davis's artwork just has that effect on me. It just feels very old school. Uh, the script felt old school, but in a great way. Uh, I just, I got a real kick out of this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to give it a, a solid... Hell, I'm going to give it a 9. I don't think there's anything wrong with this book. I think it was just a lot of fun. Uh, next up is uh, Secret Origins, number 3. Now, these books are a little bit hard because they're very kind of different in terms of the amount of people who work on them. Um, the main stories about Hal Jordan, it's Freedom from Fear by Robert Venditti with artwork by Martin Coccolo. It's not a bad story per se. It's about, you know, Hal and his fear and and, watch, and two plane crashes that change his life. And that aspect of it, actually, I really love the idea that the first plane crash 
shattered his life, um, which was when his dad died. And then when his uh, when Albin Sur crashed, it changed his life for the be- for the better. Um, that being said, I think we've we've covered this type of stuff before, so I don't think there was a lot of new material in here. Uh, so I don't really think we needed to have this origin told again without anything really being added. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, and then we have a, a Batwoman story by Jeremy Hahn and Trevor McCarthy, which I actually really enjoyed. Again, I don't know a lot about the Batwoman character. I've never followed her that much, but I loved uh, seeing the progression of the character before she became Batwoman. Uh, so I think that's really well done and really enjoyable. And then we have uh, the Red Robin story, which feels very much like the what the uh, Teen Titans Zero, I think it was. Uh, I don't feel like it really gave you a lot of new material, um, but it was still kind of interesting to see why he became Red Robin instead of Robin, and how he kind of confronted Batman back in the day. Uh, on the whole, I'm going to give the issue a 7. Uh, next up is Sinestro number 3, which remains an extremely w- well-written and fun book by Colin Bunn and Dale Eaglesham. Um, again, I love Dale Eaglesham's artwork, so I'm really enjoying his take on this. Uh, he just makes Sinestro look so formidable. Um, the uh, the way that he's written and kind of regrouping the uh, Sinestro Corps and also having his daughter kind of work for him as well, which is really cool and seeing how he's trying to bring order back to the universe. Um, I'm interested to see what the next issue will have as we have uh, the Pale Bishops going up against Sinestro and his core. Uh, I just thought this was really good. Uh, it remains a really well-written book. It's a highlight of every week it's in, and it hasn't had a bad issue so far. Um, next up is Superman 32, the big release for the week. Uh, this is the beginning of the Jeff Johns, John Romita Jr. run on Superman. They've changed, I believe, the Superman logo to looking more like the movie version of Superman back in the day. Um, I'm not really sure how I feel about this, but it could be really interesting as we have this... Uh, this new character who's kind of the positive... It's kind of a Superman light, like, in terms of his origin, being jettisoned away from his world. Um, getting a little bit more into who Clark is, who Superman can be. Um, the art isn't anything revolutionary, but I'm interested to see where they go with this in future issues and see more of this uh, this new character who's the last son of Earth uh, and how he's going to be kind of the new Superman. Um... You know, for the most part, it's a promising start. Uh, the artwork isn't the strongest by Romita, but uh, I don't, and I don't know if he's that great at doing the current version of the Superman costume. But on the whole, I think it was it was, it was a good start. I'm gonna give it an eight. Uh, next up is Uncanny Avengers 21. Uh, let's see, this issue is written by. Let's see, do I even know who it's written by? written by uh, Rick Remender, artwork by Daniel Acuna. It wasn't the sharpest Daniel Acuna artwork, but I do enjoy it. As um, back in the in the kind of the past of this book, uh, you have a bunch of the characters kind of trying to change the future. Uh, so you have um, Captain America, Scarlet Witch, and all them, and Rogue trying to convince everyone to change things. So Rogue absorbs everyone's power so she can stop um, everything that's supposed to happen so she can try and move the Celestial's boot. Um, they're able to convince Sentry to do so as well. So they're able to raise the Sentry and then uh, Thor is able to use uh, Yarnborn or whatever it's called to uh, basically cleave the uh, Celestial exec- Executioner. Um, but it turns out it's not as simple as they thought it would be as now we're going to have a Kang... Uh, using his group to kind of take on take on the Avengers. Uh, digging this, I like it. It's again a cool a cool book. Artwork not as strong as it has been. As a result, I'm only going to give it a seven and a half. But 
for the most part, a pretty strong story. Um, and then the last book I was going to talk about was Wolverine number 9, but apparently I somehow forgot about that issue as well, and so that is yet another book that I will not be able to review this week, unfortunately. So I'm kind of surprised. There's four issues I really wanted to read this week, and apparently I forgot about Wolverine number 9, New Warriors number 6, um, New Avengers Annual number 1, and New Futures End 8, actually, and Red Lanterns 32, so that's five books I didn't get a chance to read this week. Uh, if we look at the books that did come out this week that I didn't get a chance to, to talk about either or just didn't read anyway, they include the following. Adventures of Superman 14, All New Dupe number 4, All New Ultimates number 4, All Star Western 32, Batman 66 number 12, Batman Beyond Universe 11, Catwoman 32, Deadpool vs. Carnage number 4, Dexter Down Under number 5, Harlequin number 0, Director's Cut, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe number 14, Injustice Gods Among Us Year 2 number 6, yeah, Justice League Dark 32, Larflee's 12, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man 27, New 52 Features End number 8, New Avengers Annual number 1, New Warriors number 6, Original Sin 2, Red Lanterns number 32, Saga number 20, Spider-Man Spectacular number 1, Wolverine number 9, and X-Force number 6. Uh, if we take a quick look at the books that are going to be coming out this week on July 2nd, or if you're in Canada, probably July 3rd because of the uh, July 1st holiday. Yeah, that's right, it's Canada Day! Woohoo! Um, we've got a smattering uh, of what's coming up. We have the absolute Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder hardcover coming. Uh, the next chapter of Doomed in Action Comics. Uh, the next issue of Batman 66 meets Green Hornet, which is issue number two. Uh, Earth 2 issue 25, which is a, it looks like a double-sized issue. Um, we've got the, the next trade for Green Lantern Corps, as well as New Green Lantern New Guardians. Uh, as well as Superman Unchained number 7 finally gets released and Tiny Titans Return of the Trios number 2 comes out uh, looking over at the Marvel side of the uh, of the um, quotient we've got the 100th Anniversary Special number 1 Fantastic Four Old New Axe Factor number 10 new issues of Black Widow Captain America there's the Daredevil 0.1 issue uh, you have the third Mark Wade um, Daredevil hardcover, the oversized ones. Uh, the first chapter, or sorry, first issue of Deadpool vs. X Force. Uh, you have the Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxies Most Wanted, number one. I'm not really sure what that's supposed to be. You have the Infinity Gauntlet Omnibus coming out finally for those who super love omnibuses and the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, we have uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Prelude trade paperback. Moon Knight number five, New Warrior seven. Man, they're really pumping that out if issue six came out this week. Although I feel like I've read it, so maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Original Sin number 5 comes out. That'll be the big release for Marvel this coming week. Uh, the sixth hardcover of the uh, Powers Definitive Collection. Uh, new issues of Punisher. The launch of Rocket Raccoon. Actually, that might be the big issue for the week in some ways. Uh, the Thanos Rising hardcover, as well as the new chapter of Thor God of Thunder in issue 24. Uh, so that is uh, the highlights of the, what's coming out next week which is, or this week, sorry, uh, July uh, 2nd, which will be featured on episode 181 of the podcast. Uh, so that'll about do us for this episode. Uh, if you want to contact me, I'm, uh, you can let us, uh, sorry, drop us an email at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes. If you do that, please let me know what country you're from when you give us a review so I can read it on the show. Um, also, Please do subscribe to the show on iTunes as it's a good way to uh, help the show uh, increase its audience and get a little bit, uh, you know, get make sure that it gets uh, kind of hit up more and more people are able to discover the show. Uh, so uh, thank you for joining me for episode 179. Not really sure what episode 180 will be yet. It might be a Transformers Age of Extinction review episode. It may not. Who knows? Uh, we'll play it by ear. But uh, until then... Um, 
thank you for joining the podcast and we'll see you next time bye bye